Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Tony Basilio Show. Tony is out today, should be back tomorrow. This is Brian Hartman filling in with John Adams and Matt Dixon. John making his usual Thursday appearance, brought to you by TLD Logistics. John, Matt, good morning. How are you, Matt? How are you, Brian? We're doing great. Matt? Are you really, or are you just saying that? Uh, you don't. Better than the basketball team did last night. Yeah, better than Tony's doing. Yeah, better than yeah, better than Tony. I wish I wish uh, Tony a quick recovery. There's some weird stuff going around. Uh, I was talking to a friend from my hometown a couple of weeks ago, and he had this horrible cough. And I'm asking, "What's wrong with you?" And he's got, "Well, I got this sinus infection. It sounds like a respiratory uh, virus to me." And I got off the phone and I started coughing. Is this some kind of weird thing now that you can catch stuff? Through the cell phone? I don't know. It's just kind of alarming to me. They'll have to put a uh, anti-vaccine virus shot through the phone lines, I guess, is what you're saying. Well, you know, I, well, that, I mean... That's the, that's the end of humanity, if you can catch stuff through phones. Yeah, isn't it? And, and, it's, uh, and it's the... Uh, you know, and I, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I can't help but wonder if China's involved in that. Yeah, we can all blame everything on China, I guess, when all else fails, right? Or Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to uh, take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and get into the show. We'll talk about, we'll extend the, I guess, do a little extension of the post game from last night. Tennessee had a rough night at Florida, losing 67-54. And we'll take you to 1 o'clock today. Hopefully Tony gets a good report and he can come back stronger than ever tomorrow. So we'll take this time out. We'll be back on the other side. Stay tuned. Spread the word and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike 
at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. This is Drake. Join Clayton Harris and I on Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays on our new show, the Front Porch Sports Radio Hour, beginning at 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. That's on Monday, Thursdays, and Fridays. Everything Southern Middle Tennessee, from college to high school to pro, you name it, fantasy, we're going to talk about it. Be there on Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 4 o'clock to 5 on the Front Porch Sports Radio Hour. Hi, I'm former Sheriff Eamon George with 30 years experience in emergency services. I know how important it is to locate an address that's in need of help as quickly as possible. An LED light bulb has been developed and manufactured that glows red, white, and blue flashing light to be placed on your front porch and turned on when you have an emergency that will help the responding emergency services to locate your home as quickly as possible. You can obtain your LED light bulb at Mount Pleasant Fire Department and all of your local fire stations. For more information, contact Fire Department at 379-1005. 379-1005. 
seconds counts. Get your light bulb today. I wish you and your family a safe and happy new year. Do you use Elf Bars? Old School Vapor has over 100 authentic flavors for only $18.99 each. Check out their other January sales like buy one, get one free for select Escobars, 25% off glass pipes and Mike Tyson's Delta 8 Bites, or 50% off smell-proof bags. Go shop Old School Vapor's selection of over 200 cannabis products from brands like Looper, Torch, Hidden Hills, and more. Check them out on Instagram or Google Old School Vapor to find your nearest location. That's Old School Vapor. This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. Back to the Tony Basilio Show till 1 o'clock. The number to call in on is 865-200-5402. Brian Hartman, John Adams, presented by Seniors Helping Seniors, and Matt Dixon filling in today for Tony. 865-200-5402 is the number to call in on. 865-200-5402. John and Matt. Welcome back. John Adams presented by Seniors Helping Seniors. And last night, guys, the Vols dropped a game at Florida, a game in which they were a six-point favorite, 67-54. Really an ugly last ten minutes of the game. Tennessee led 44-38 with 10.40 to play and got outscored 29-10 to close the game. I was uh, watching that uh, in the final, I guess, ten minutes or when Tennessee kind of lost its edge. I thought it started jacking up outside shots pretty quickly, maybe too soon. I mean, it wasn't once it got behind. And maybe that's Florida took away its inside game. But Florida, I thought Florida had a really good plan. And uh, I thought Florida, everybody talks about Tennessee's defense, but I thought Florida played uh, really good defense in that game. Yeah, they, they took away the three-point shot, and, you know, Tennessee, besides Ziegler, really doesn't have anybody who can beat guys off the dribble. And, of course, Ziegler's kind of limited once he gets inside with that Castleton guy. It's, you know, it's hard to get a, get a shot off around him. And, you know, Tennessee just, just didn't make some of their shots, which I I thought were kind of contested, and, and a lot of them were off balance. So I, I know – you know, some of the post-game stuff, Barnes said that they had a lot of, of, of good looks, and you know, I'll, I'll defer to him. I, I didn't think they were great looks most of the night, but you know, give Florida credit. You know, they jumped out to that big lead. I think it was seventeen to four, and then they closed the game strong. But you know, which is weird that Tennessee didn't make out that big fight to get back in the game and take the lead. And you kind of thought that they had weathered the storm there with you know ten minutes to go, and then. They, it's like they just kind of quit again, and that Castleton guy just just took over. And you know, like John said, that they they kind of it felt like they got desperate and started, you know, just just taking taking shots early and not not running offense. So not a, I, not a, not a great result. And now you, you're kind of getting into the the tough part of your schedule, and you're already you know two games back of Alabama for the for the league title that it, Brian said last night. You're just a game ahead of fourth or fifth place, which means that you finish outside the top four, you don't get that double bye, which can be big. But we saw how last year they, they got the double bye and ran through the SEC tournament and only had to play three games in three days. Let's go to our first call. It's uh, 865-200-5402. I believe this is Philadelphia chiming in. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Philly. 
How you and John and uh, uh, Dixie doing? We're doing great. How about yourself? Ah, uh, well, it was pretty atrocious last night. Uh, not that's, surprising, though. No, I uh, I don't think so. I I think that's perfectly true. I, it's uh, I you know I said before they played Texas that they they're coming up on a three game stretch where they've got Texas and Auburn at home, two pretty good teams plus Florida on the road who is having a rough season, but for whatever reason they. Um, they could not, uh, you know. I thought two and one would be a pretty good record against these three teams. Yeah, yeah. People, we got to put, just, uh, be realistic. We're not as talented as, as everybody says we are. No, and last night, I I still think they could be as good as any team in the country on a given night. But they can also they're not below losing to teams like even Vanderbilt next weekend. And especially yeah. against somebody like Florida last night, is that better, guys? Yes. Okay. Uh, and, and I think Brian, what, what, when you talk about Tennessee's talent level, I mean there are no future NBA superstars on this team, probably. But it's another talented Tennessee team. We've seen it the last few years. Talented, deep, and experienced, and that goes a long way in college basketball now. Particularly when you when you look at the SEC, I, I watch other teams, and I think other teams have a hard time matching up with Tennessee. I was kind of surprised at the outcome last night, uh, but the line, the betting line, was like it was five and a half. It will maybe at opening kickball five and a half or six. It looked like uh, you know they thought it was going to be a close game. Uh, my concern about that game was if you're playing Florida. I mean, your number one objective is stop Colin Castleton. Not necessarily stop him, but really try and hold down his production. He's got to be the the key uh, subject or your scouting report. How do you keep him off the boards? How do you keep him from getting the ball where he wants it? And I give a lot of credit to Florida for getting him the ball where he wanted it. And, and obviously, uh, credit to him. Uh, I mean, I thought he played as well as he ever has in that second half against Tennessee. Yeah, well, he sure did. And you look at it, guys, uh, the Tennessee's in a predicament right now. Uh, the number one seed is probably gone. And Alabama is going to get your, it's going to get the number one seed. Uh, I mean, Alabama now is going to win the league by two or three games. I, well, we've got a tougher role to hold in the SEC. To get that number one seed, and I just yeah, don't see it myself. They could, they could clinch the league if they can beat Tennessee in two weeks, but I, I still think that game isn't a gimme for them. No, it's, it's not. It's a big it, difference between playing I'm at home. I'm concerned that Barnes is uh, shorting the rotation all year. He's talking about how great his bench was, this, that, and the other. And the, here in the last couple of games, he's shortened the rotation. And these guys have played way too many minutes, and their legs they're looking tired now. Well, what, Just like he does every year. Yeah, one thing that they they make up for with lack of talent, they make up for that with, with tenacious defense. And in the last 10 minutes, they gave up, what, 29 points, which which is about 130 for a whole game. Yeah. So I wonder if they spent all that energy to get back in the game and then they, they were up six, and then I just don't think they had enough to close, especially in, and on a defense, I think it's, is when it is where a lot of it – and then it, that – sort of leads to taking shots, bad shots, trying to force it, and not really making Florida work. 
You all well, see, I, I, I think of Tennessee as having considerable depth. So you, I mean, you do you not see it that way, Philly? I think they have the depth. Barnes is, is shortening the rotation. That's what's my concern. And the two guys who, who are getting uh, a lot of minutes and that are still playing are uh, Euros and McKee, and they're not getting anything done these last couple of games. Yeah, a lot of empty minutes, and then of course tri- tri- Triple J and Phillips didn't didn't give you a whole lot last night. Um, well, yeah, nobody especially did. off not not really. on, Yeah, you have to yeah. get at least you know five to ten points from both of those guys every night. You can't have those guys well, just not well, give you anything. When your four main players who combine for seventy five of eighty two against Texas go fourteen of fifty five from the floor, you're not going to beat anybody very much. No. Maybe maybe South Carolina, maybe. But I don't. I don't think that'll be the norm. Going. I. I don't think they'll have a shooting night like that again. Do you think they'll beat Auburn uh, Saturday night, this afternoon? I. I do. I. I think they'll come back and play well. I think they'll win by ten plus. Call me crazy, <clears throat> guys. What do you think? No, I. I agree. I, I don't, Auburn is not what it was last year, certainly, and uh, obviously it lost a couple of really good players, but. Uh, yeah, I would think Tennessee's bounced back. It's really hard during a basketball season when teams play 30 or so games to put too much stock in one game, um, good or bad. You just, uh, you know, the Kentucky game that Tennessee lost at home, uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming, but you just don't, you don't know. And I don't think Tennessee's the only team that has lapses. I mean, look at Alabama against Oklahoma. How could you foresee that last Saturday? That was just an awful game. Um, so good teams, no matter how good. there. I don't see any super teams out there. I haven't watched Purdue, but uh, I don't see any super teams out there. I think any team can be can have an off night and get beaten. Well, look at Oklahoma. They turn around and they get beat by 10 on their home floor to Oklahoma State, who <laughs> is just a middling. But they're in a very, very strong conference, but they're middling. Is it true we've lost six out of seven the last time we've gone to Florida? That Barnes is one and three, and I think Tyndall lost there his year. Twenty eighteen, nineteen, only one then. Yeah, that's one and four, and then they lost to that really good team in twenty fourteen. So that's at least five out of six. Well, we knew it was going to be a trap game, and it was, and. Uh, that 37-year-old coach, uh, now he's got him uh, something he can crawl about on the recruiting trail now. Yeah, that's his first win against a seasoned veteran SEC coach. His, his other wins were against other first-year coaches. Yeah. And All right, guys. I, I can do show. See thank you. you, Phil. Thanks for the call. Get well, Philly. 865-200-5402 is the number. Brian Harbin taking you along with. John Adams, presented by Seniors Helping Seniors, and Matt Dixon. We'll take you up till 1 o'clock today and hopefully be back tomorrow at 11 o'clock to go a little bit further toward the weekend. Tennessee does come back and host Auburn Saturday afternoon. ESPN's got the telecast. Tennessee's really – ESPN and, and everyone likes to say, well, you know, they hate us and all that. But I just – it seems like every other game that Tennessee plays now is on ESPN or ESPN2. Well, I think the the ratings have pretty much uh, created that. I mean, I don't think ESPN helps hates Tennessee. ESPN gets good 
Uh, certainly true during football season. Tennessee's one of the most watched teams in the country now in football. And uh, maybe just is carrying over to basketball because you're right. It's it's getting a lot of it's getting a lot of airtime. Yeah, I mean, this isn't ESPNU or SEC Network. This is the main ESPN, and this is the second Saturday in a row that they've been featured. And then counting the Kentucky game, which was also ESPN, so that's what three out of four weeks where they've been on the main network. Let's go to our second caller here. I believe we've got Scott. Scott. Hey guys. How you Thanks doing? For taking my call. Um, you know, I've been watching UT basketball for a long time, and one of the things I've noticed with Barnes teams is they don't guard the perimeter very well. Um, and you know that came that came back to bite us last night. Um, I just I just don't know that we're athletic enough and tall enough to defend the perimeter. And not only that, I, I think in some cases it's just a lackadaisical attitude that our players have about guarding the perimeter. Um, and the other thing is, and the previous caller touched on this, is I guess shooting in Florida. There seems to be a problem with that. You know, I think it would be interesting to find out, you know, kind of what the percentage for us has been um, for us in the past down there. Well, it certainly wasn't a a big issue in the Pearl area because I think those teams won uh, more than they lost down there, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, yeah often, and under Pearl, Tennessee beat Florida's greatest teams. Yeah, and, and even down there. And, and certainly the, the as far as defending the perimeter, their three-point – percentage defense has been one of the best in the country if not the best and one of the best all well, time it's it's tracking to be the best of all time but it, it has been a problem uh, like that that grant and admiral team that was their biggest weakness was defending threes i do think there's some truth into to, to what you're saying scott about the kind of the athleticism and link to guard the perimeter um but i just think that just that effort that this team plays with defensively that they they just do a really good job of taking away shots. Um, but I, I do think that that can be an issue, and it has been in, in past years. But this year they've been really, really good doing that. And I think that lackadaisical stuff, I think that shows up more offensively because they have a lot of, I think, lazy passing at times, and it leads to a lot of just unforced turnovers. And that's what really kind of got them, got them in that deficit early last night. Yeah. yeah, I don't really, yeah, you know, I don't really agree with your defensive assessment because the stats. I mean, it's it's a tremendous defense, uh, I, and I think Tennessee plays for the most part really hard on defense. I was noticing last night on a couple of possessions, and, and Tennessee makes teams work so hard to get open shots. It it defends every pass. It plays really good team defense. It switches well. Whatever it takes. I, I just think it's a very cohesive defense. Uh, I mean, you're going to have lapses and, and occasional bad possessions, but if you're going to criticize anything about this team, I think the last thing you would get around to would be defense. Do you think well, maybe, that, just think- uh, Scott, that it could be the fact that there there may be a regression that teams are just missing their threes, or is do you think that could be it? Well, I think there could be that. You know, the the energy that you spend on defense. It's, it's kind of a catch-22, and I think 
And don't get me wrong, I love our defense. I love the energy. But I think, and this is, I think, proven to, to be true the last several seasons under Barnes' tenure, is our teams appear to wear out. And I don't know how you fix that. Um, I mean, you've you got a great defense, and that gets you to where you're at right now. But if you're worn out at the end of the season, then, you know, you need to look at some ways that you can last longer through the season. I don't know. I mean, that's just my assessment. I just think I, now, I, I, so I do agree with that. I, I do think that they, they put so much focus on defense and they, they play so hard defensively. Um, and not not just wears them out at the end of seasons, but I just think over the course of games that it, it takes away from their offense um, at at times, um, and that they just you know for whatever whatever reason they just they can, they can just go into these lulls offensively because they put so much effort and and they just rely on defense so much. I do think there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. When you go back to yeah, last I, I, season, though, and you look at how Tennessee played, I mean, obviously everybody points to the failure in the NCAA tournament, which is natural to focus on that. That's that's Tennessee's Achilles heel, so to speak. But it certainly didn't look like a tired team in the SEC tournament, playing day after day after day, uh, playing great and looking like a Final Four team. I guess you could argue that that took a lot out of the team, but you know you gotta you got another week to get ready. I I I, I agree that Tennessee and the NCAA tournament. I think that's something you point to and wonder about because it's faltered so many times, losing before it should have based on the seeding. But yeah. gosh, when I was watching that team at the end of last season in the SEC tournament, I thought. I was convinced that was the Final Four team. I was so wrong, but I, it, the way it managed that tournament, I thought was tremendous. And well, and to your point, I mean they they looked unbeatable for three games. You know, for those three for those three games there, they just they totally looked unbeatable. I don't know. I just I would I would be interested to know this. This is just a little bit different from what we've been talking about, but I'd be interested to know what their field goal percentage is. Uh, at home versus on the road. Now, I know, you know, automatically you're going to say it's got to be higher at home. But I would love to know what that field goal percentage But it just seems like when we're on the road, man, sometimes we can't throw it in the ocean. Well, I'll go back to your point about Florida. The last two games down there they played, and that was tonight, last night, and then two years ago, they've shot two sub-30% from the floor in both games. They were eight of 43 threes combined in those two games to both losses where they scored 54 and then 49 in a loss two years ago so it's not wow. been a good place for them here recently yeah and i don't know how you fix you know i don't know how you fix that man i don't know i don't know if it starts getting in your head and that's, you just something that you struggle with or or how you handle it yeah that's two coaches by the way that was mike white that first guy that first time well guys i appreciate it um hopefully we'll turn around this weekend thank you I think they will. I really do. Scott, thanks for the call. 865-200-5402 is the number to call in on. John and Matt Dixon with me. John Adams presented by Seniors Helping Seniors on this Thursday afternoon. Still kind of the weather's, I guess, yucky still. As you can, ex- What do you expect in February? The Vols come back to face Auburn. And 
I don't think looking ahead to that game, I I don't think Auburn defends as well. I don't I don't think defense is really a pearl strong suit of his teams. Occasionally, I think maybe it's one of those where they like to get it going as far as transition goes, but half court defense I think has always been kind of a kind of a something that's kind of kept his teams from going far in, in March in the past, guys. Is that the impression you're getting? Is that is that what you think you've seen? Well, uh, maybe occasionally, but I, I thought when you go back to his Final Four team, and if he hadn't lost a key player to injury, I thought that team was going to win the national championship. But And there were times last year and in the year before where I thought the defense was not a problem. I, I know it can... It brings a lot of pressure, and, and and maybe sometimes it's not as good in the half court. But boy, last year when it had with those uh, with its post play and depth in the post and some big time players, I thought it was uh, its defense was fine. Uh, this year, that's it, it's doesn't have the same team. Well, it's a they don't team. they don't have the shot blockers either, as 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 they did last year, and I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, that was. I mean, that had such an impact because even if, even if you get beat on the perimeter, you get or your the man you're guarding blows by you. You the the guy still it's it's like he's going into a trap because he's going in there with those shot blockers and they're rejecting it. So it was. Uh, yeah, that was an exceptional team, and I didn't think this this Auburn team would be as good as it is. Uh, you know, getting back to Tennessee. We're talking about all these issues, and we're talking about a top five team nationally. So it that was seems funny to last night. Be, yeah, I know. I know. It, it just seems odd that we're that critical. But I think part of it is because the way the seasons have have ended in postseason play. So I think t- fans and media too can look at it through that lens and say, okay. What are we seeing now that's really foreshadowing, and that what is telling? What we're are we learning that will we think will get this team beat in March? Or it's as though people are kind of looking for things, and, and I don't know what you fix. I mean, what would you do right now if you thought what are the main things Tennessee needs to improve on? to get ready for March and to have a successful run in the NCAA tournament. What what are the main things that come to mind with you guys? Let's uh we'll pause on that and we'll take Rusty's call when we come back and we'll let him give his answers on that and we'll think about that through the break and we'll come back and discuss on the other side. Spread the word and get the app at TonyBasilio.com for Android and iPhones. This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. T-Willie, and you're listening to 101.7 FM, WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. 
Why do people trust Tills Jewelry with their jewelry repairs? Hi, this is Terry Tillis. We feel each piece of jewelry is important to our customers and they deserve the utmost care with every item that is brought to us. Your jewelry is inspected when we receive it to determine exactly what repairs are needed. A photo is taken and documented and then it goes to our goldsmith. Once the repair is completed, the jewelry is reinspected to make sure it has been restored to its original condition. Come see us at Tillis Jewelry, located in Columbia and Lewisburg. This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. If your car was damaged in an auto accident, chances are you'd fix the car. Why wouldn't you give that same attention to yourself? Untreated whiplash injuries of the spinal column may lead to conditions such as headaches, numbness in the arms, neck and back pain. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating such injuries from an auto accident. Accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. Hey guys, this is Mary Catherine with Bug Out Termite and Pest Control. Did you know that most insurance plans don't cover termite damage? Termites cause $5 billion in damage every year. Having a termite inspection done by a termite professional once a year is the best way to determine your home or business is termite free. Our technician will help you determine the best treatment solution for you. Call us today to schedule your inspection at 931-380-9009 or visit us online at bugouttennessee.com. In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Barrett's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan, and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Barrett and Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. This is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Did you know that Columbia Ace Hardware carries Magnolia Home Paint by Joanna Gaines? Columbia Ace Hardware is the only Magnolia paint dealer in town. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood, along with the award-winning service and advice Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Come see us at Columbia Ace Hardware and Power Equipment. We will be glad to help you. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. This is Drake. Join Clayton Harris and I on Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays on our new show, the Front Porch Sports Radio Hour, beginning at 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. That's on Monday, Thursdays, and Fridays. Everything Southern Middle Tennessee, from college to high school to pro, you name it, fantasy, we're going to talk about it. Be there on Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 4 o'clock to 5 on the Front Porch Sports Radio Hour. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Join us Saturday, March the 18th for Columbia's Breakfast Rotary's fourth annual Shoot for Our Stars Sporting Clays Tournament. This tournament is a community benefit fundraiser for our fantastic local youth and veterans organizations. If you'd like to participate in this great event, contact me, Rhonda King, at 931-398-5511 or contact us online at www.facebook.com slash shootforourstars. 
Hello, everyone. Clayton Harris here. As Little League District 8 Administrator, I'm excited to announce that Little League Softball is being offered in Murray County for the first time through Spring Hill Little League. This allows every kid in Murray County the opportunity to play Little League Softball. Each division will offer All-Stars, just like Little League Baseball, with the opportunity to compete for a chance at a Little League World Series. It's ages 4 through 13. Registration ends this Friday. For more information and where to sign up, go to shll.us. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. Tony Basilio's show on a Thursday, Brian Hartman filling in, John Adams presented by Seniors Helping Seniors, and Matt Dixon, his regular Thursday appearance. Let's go back to our phone lines and grab Rusty. Rusty, welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for letting me be on. Hope Tony gets better soon. Echoed. Hey, um, Dixie said something that's dead on. Florida used the same thing kind of defensively that Kentucky did, which was try to run us off the three-point line, force try to force us to dribble um, and drive, get the ball to the basket, make tough twos, which should be everybody's defensive game plan in every game in college basketball, <laughs> every <laughs> night, no matter who you're playing. Force teams to drive and take tough twos. I mean, that, that, that's simple. Um, we still got we still got a good, good amount open loose. I, I heard Barnes say it, and I went back and looked at as many as I could, and we did have a lot of open looks. Triple J had three that were, you know, just clean, like free throw looks from the three-point line. He's got, he's got to make them. I mean, he goes four or six at LSU, and he hadn't hardly put the ball in the basket from outside the arc since. Um. Need, need consistency. You can't have four and six nights and then O oh, of five nights. Just give me two of six nights every time or, or three of seven nights, you know. And then that way I know what I'm getting. I'd rather have that than a guy who has one great night and four bad. Can't take that guy. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's you. Oh, okay. Well, I, 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 I think you. you're right, Rusty. I, I think you have to get production from guys. And, you know, with, with how this team's going to struggle to score against good teams and tournament-type t- teams, you can't have two or three of your starters have, you know, five points. Like, you have to at least get them, you know, eight to 12 from from everybody to, to have a chance unless you just have that one guy go off, which they've had just one or two games like that all year with a guy like Olivier or or even Phillips against USC. I think you're right. You have you have to get production from guys from basically your entire roster, and we just don't do that every night. Yeah, I mean the going off night's fine for everybody. You just can't. You just need a, some semblance of consistency. And there's there's a couple guys who. They are a box of chocolates, as you know, Forrest would say. Um, you never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> Jimmy Doc said it somewhere when we made our run. They were out seventeen four. We went on a probably a eight or ten to two run to get back in it in the first half. We came across half court twice, and I know I'm beating this dead horse by saying this, and I know everybody's tired of hearing me say it. I'm sure Brian more than anybody. Jimmy mentioned we came across half court. There was nothing we did except send Olivier out to the to just across the half court stripe and set a ball screen 
and Z got downhill, and he got a lob to Olivier for a dunk. Did it again, got him downhill, forced a rotation, forced, forced Santi's man to come off and help because the ball screen left ZZ wide open for a drive. He kicked it to Santi for a wide open three. That's how you beat teams offensively when they played even the way Florida was, is you ball screen them and force them to help off when the, when the, when the point guard gets the open drive and, the, and you put the big man in a take the guard or the big. And Barnes goes right back to his continuity motion offense crap, which is fine some nights, and it'll, it'll win you ballgames running that. But he is too stubborn to stick with, we're just going to run ball screen offense over and over and over and over again until the defense stops it. It, it, I, was it. Was it Coach Boone that said he runs the veer, he runs three plays? It's just like Novocaine. Eventually it'll start working. And that's ball screen offense. Just do it. Just don't, don't be cute. Use your bigs. Ziegler's a perfect guard for, a, for, for running pick and roll. And it simplifies things. Dixie, Ronnie. And Mr. he Adam. also doesn't leave the right guys on the floor the whole time. It's another thing. Is that yeah. he'll go to these weird lineups where you've got, you know, two or three bigs on the floor and and, and maybe three guys that can't, that really you don't trust that, that can get you a bucket when you need it. And especially even when they're down by a bunch, he's got these weird rotations in there. You can't have combinations of, there's certain combinations you can't have on the court. You can't have three guys with those three guys being. Um, Key, Meshack, and Euros, or Key, Meshack, and Adu on the court together. And there was a couple times those t- three type of guys. Because then you end up with only two guys who are real threats to score. And that's his problem. He he gets those guys on the floor together. you got to recognize, uh, the, it's, it's not just on Barnes, it's on his assistants. They have to recognize, hey, if we're going to send Meshack and Euros in together, we have to take somebody off the court who is, a, who is another non-really offensive threat and can't be out there with You know, them. what? what is Meshack and, and Matt and maybe John can answer this, what does he really bring to the team? It just seems like that Stanley Asuno had more production than Meshack, and Meshack was someone was this great player out in California. I just haven't seen. I haven't seen enough to really. He's a really good. He's a really good defensive guy. He's just not there offensively, and he hasn't played enough the last, you know, over the course of the season to develop any kind of role offensively. And he just, he's just kind of a defensive guy at this point. He had kind of flashed at times very early in the season, but that was against, you know, basically high school teams. So he's just he made the, the one guy, three against Maryland. He, he, that, and that's all he's done this year. Well, I think obviously the statistics reflect this. Tennessee is all about defense. It's got the best defense in the country. Uh, how will that translate in the NCAA tournament? I think a lot of teams elevate their defense in the NCAA tournament just because they're playing harder, because it means more. So that puts a burden on the offense. You've got to be able to hit some shots. I really think, you know, you touched on it. Tennessee has had different guys step up and have big games. And it's going to have to have somebody, once you get into the tournament play, 
you got to play. To me, the best case scenario is you play your great defense and have two guys, not one. I shouldn't have I misspoke. You should have two guys who are consistently consistent offensively and can have big games. We go back to the SEC tournament last year. We're we're talking about this off air. Josiah Jordan James shot three pointers like I'd never seen him shoot consistently. Uh, hitting threes and was more aggressive offensively than he usually is. Tennessee will need a couple of players doing that in the tournament. Um, it remains to be seen if that'll happen, but that to me is what it would take. And I don't know, I don't know what players to single out and say, well, these guys are the most likely candidates to do that. Well, Dixie said it best. You just need Phillips and James to at worst give you seven to ten every night. I don't need I don't need either one to give me twenty on a night. I need both of them to always give me seven or ten so I know what I'm getting out of. That's that's the real issue is when you have guys who have massive peaks and horrible valleys. And James and Phillips are, are, have both kind of been those guys here lately. One will have a, they'll have a great night and then they'll have two just subpar nights. And there's I, I guess, you know, the Texas game's an anomaly because there wasn't any points to go around when Olivier scoring 27, and that's okay because it, because James didn't get any shots. Um, but when, a, a night where he got a bunch of shots, he's got to get you seven to ten, and Phillips too. Olivier yeah, also goes through those enormous peaks and valleys. He had 27 that night, and he sort of was quiet last night, even though he got 11. But he got eleven. He, he got all his points in of, one stretch. He got like seven in, in one stretch, and, and only four the rest of the way during the run in the first half. Yeah, yeah. He, he took he took some off balance turnaround jumpers, and I think Castleton's length bothered him some. I was getting Lydia was my last point. I was going to bring up. He had those top of the key where Castleton sagged off and went with Ziegler to the rim, and then Ziegler kicked it back out to him. He had those top of the key wide open looks for three, and he didn't shoot any of them. He had played four of them in the game, turned every one of them down and swung it to the opposite wing. And I'm sorry, he has to shoot those for us to be good or be elite. It does two things. He's probably going to make one or two of five or one of four, which is good enough to make Castleton get his seven-foot wingspan out of the lane, which makes it impossible for Ziegler to make layups when Castleton's in there. But if if... if Lydia makes them, then Castleton's got to come guard him out there and can't sag off. It's it it it's. I don't know if that was by design of Bourne saying, "Hey, we've I've had enough of you shooting threes. You get in there and shoot seven foot turnaround jumpers that count for two points." When we know he can make that open three, he he did shoot three and made one. He made one in the first half, which which got him on their first run there. Yeah, it was it was it was in the second half where he turned down a bunch of them. Yeah, I and I don't know why. James was, he, you know, they got to James and he missed all five of his. Yeah. Key missed I think two Barnes, I, I guess Barnes probably in the huddles was fussing about, hey, guys, we're jacking up too many threes. And to Olivier, that means, well, I don't need to shoot anymore. But that's on Barnes to tell him specifically, hey, if you're wide yeah, open you're on the at the top of the key, I want you shooting it. Anyway, I'm frustrated with Barnes. I love the dude, but yeah, it's, well. It, it's the same thing we've seen too many times here lately. You know, it, it'll all be right when they win a big game, and then it all, obviously it all goes the other direction when they have a game like last night. 
So it's, of course. it's basketball. You're going to lose games. It's just it's just going to oh yeah every game. The 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 seventeen what the the 2017 Golden State Warriors were were uh, you know 20 points better than every team they played that year, and they still lost what 30 ball games because it's basketball. Basketball isn't a game oh, where yeah. you can win every game. That's, no. that's it's it's a, it's a weird sport. I mean, Indiana's the last time even Vegas and that team that had four NBA players, four NBA All Stars on it, lost in a national championship game. Teams don't go undefeated, but we see the same things over and over again from Barnes, being so stubborn that he has to run his offense. It's it's like Butch Jones and the infallible offense. He won't he won't do something different. Rusty, anything anyway. else? No, I'm tired of preaching about Barnes. I'm sorry. All right, Rusty, have a good one. Y'all take it easy. Let's um let's take our second call after Rusty. Let's go to Doug. Doug, welcome in. Hi guys. Uh I I recorded the game. I didn't watch the whole thing. I but I recorded the whole thing and I just kinda zoomed and stopped at different points. And you know, uh what's his name? Castlewood? Castleton. Florida? Yeah. Yeah, Castleton. Castleman. Well, I tell you, he got about all the points he could get. And, you know, uh, what I, I, everybody's griping about the, the game we lose and everything, and I didn't like it either. But the simple fact is the reason we lost, we couldn't shoot, period. Our shooting was atrocious. And even even as bad as he was, with four minutes left in the game, we were within six points of tying them. You know, their defense, right? and Florida doesn't shoot well either. They went on field goal drives themselves. They were two of ten at one point. You could get back in the game quickly if you just strung a few shots in a row. And they actually yeah. went from a poor shooting to up six with ten minutes to go in the game, and it looked like they had control of it. Well, you know, if we just shot just average, we'd have won that game. Yeah. Uh, Florida played us pretty well, but uh, like I say, we could have won it. We just didn't shoot. If you shoot in the thirties, shoot if you shoot thirty-five between thirty-five and forty percent, they probably do win the game. Yeah, That's another not thing great. I want to say about Florida, I think they're probably the poorest sports that I've ever seen. Uh, I've known people who have been to the football games down there, and the Florida fans urinate on the Tennessee fans. And not only that, Barnes would have never done this in the game last night. They were ahead by 11 points with 16 seconds left, and the Florida boy just had to go make a layup to make it 13. That's poor sportsmanship. Barnes would never do anything like that. You agree? I don't see any. Uh, what What's wrong with making a layup if you got it? What, what What's wrong with that? Well, John, they already had them beat eleven points. There's sixteen seconds left. Did they have to go make a layup? Barnes no, would I never do that. Right. I know, but it, I think when Barnes is wanting when Barnes is won a game, he doesn't try to take another shot to make it worse on the other team. I think. Well. Schofield I think dunked in the game. You once have the ball, you should be game. trying to score. I mean, really, does that make it? Do you think the team feels humiliated because the team won by two more points than it was going to? I, I, I don't get that at all. But I, that's just my take. I'm the same way in football. I don't care if a team quote runs up to score on anybody. I think you 
when your team is out there, you should be doing everything you can to score. You should be running your offense. And same way with basketball. Why dribble out the clock when you got a chance to score another basket? Fire it up there, I say. Well, what's the point in it? You've already won the ball game, John. Well, right? because you're playing basketball. I mean, you want it, don't you want to score? And that's objective. What, what if you did that in baseball? You're up 27 to nothing over Iona, and you go up to bat, and you just you just strike out. I mean, what's the point of trying to hit a home run or a base hit? Because that's what you do. You're playing ball. Just keep playing ball. I mean, if he goes in showboats and dunks that way, I can sort of see your point. But a layup, I don't. I don't really. I kind of agree with John. I don't let, think that's so bad. Let me ask you this: When a ga- game has been won by Tennessee, and time is running out, and they've got time to get down the court and make another shot, a layup, or whatever, have you ever seen Barnes do that? I've never seen him do it one time. That's sportsmanship, boys. I think Schofield dunked a time or two in that situation. Yeah, Schofield did it against Kentucky a few times, and I I appreciated that. But not, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I want my team to do it most nights, but yeah, he emphatically dunked. Okay, th- what do you think about them as fans, though? Like I was talking about earlier. Well, I think you're talking about oh, the Florida fans more or less the, in the '90s when they were at their. I don't think worse, it's... but Florida didn't have the same kind of uh, fanatical support. Mm-hmm. That it well, they're not. Be. They're not winning. They're not winning right now. They're, they're yeah. like the front runners. Yeah, they. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Florida fans are significantly nastier than any other fans in the SEC now. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for your time. I enjoy the show. Thank you, Doug. Thanks for the call. I guess. Um, you know. I, I get what he's saying, but I, you know, a dunk, an emphatic dunk like you're trying to win a dunk contest is different than just laying it in. I, I don't like teams that stand around and want to take a shot clock violation either when they could easily run some offense and, and try to, you know, it's good practice to do that. Run your stuff, try to score. The game's still got time in it. Yeah. It, I mean, it's the opponent's job to stop you. I mean, if you got, if you got, when do you start doing that? If you're up by 40, do you just stop taking shots too? You stop running. I just think you keep running your offense. You keep playing. And if the defense doesn't stop you, too bad. I, I, I just never have had a problem with that I, in, in any sport. I think you do the best you can at all times. And it, it irritates me really when I see a team, you got 20 seconds left and a guy standing out there and just dribbles the ball. Why not go ahead and, and take a shot or run a play? Well, if there's if there's a shot clock that's going to go off before the game clock is, is over, then I say keep running. Now, if there's just maybe a few seconds left and five seconds left, you want to dribble that out, that's one thing. But if if to me, I mean, why, why get an extra turnover on the stat sheet? Yeah. Try to well, score. Yeah, I just, uh, I mean, like I said, you, you don't do that in baseball. When a guy's playing baseball... It doesn't matter what the score is. He's always trying to get a hit when he's at bat. Now, maybe you don't hit and run there in, in some situations <laughs> and, and, and steal bases and do all that stuff. But, uh, well, to, well <laughs> the best was when they brought Ben Joyce in in one of those games. <laughs> he's throwing 100 and you're up by 20 runs. <laughs> yeah, but, you, but see, I, I just that don't have so a problem. Funny. 
I just don't have a problem with any of that. Maybe I'm not sensitive enough to the losing team's uh, uh, hurt feelings. but uh, And I don't really see any difference if you lose a game by 11 points or 13 points or by 25 or 27. So to me, the last possession, you play it like it matters. Let's take our top-of-the-hour timeout. We've got a full bank of calls. W. Lynn Ryan, you guys hang right there. We'll come to you. John Adams presented by Seniors Helping Seniors. Brian Hartman, Matt Dixon filling in for Tony. Tony, we hope to see you back tomorrow. We'll take this short time out and stay tuned. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons and we run his dealership and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway or at ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. A while back, I told you a story about Packer, our mascot, that Don found in the garbage truck after someone had thrown her out. Well, since then, I've been asked several times about Packer. Is she a dog or is she a cat? I guess I never thought to say, but she's a pit bull mix. And you can see a picture of her sitting in the driver's seat of Don's service truck on our website, garbagemaninc.com. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. 
My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, memsmodernlandscape.com. That's memsmodernlandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. This is Laurie Cole, Executive Director with Pay Grace Forward. We are a community solution to predatory lending. We help people in Murray County who are trapped in payday and title loan debt. We do this through financial mentoring followed by low interest grace loans. To see if Pay Grace Forward can help you or to volunteer with our organization, please visit our website at paygraceforward.org or call 931-548-6797. Do you use Elf Bars? Old School Vapor has over 100 authentic flavors for only $18.99 each. Check out their other January sales like buy one, get one free for select Tesco bars, 25% off glass pipes and Mike Tyson's Delta 8 bites, or 50% off smell-proof bags. Go shop Old School Vapor's selection of over 200 cannabis products from brands like Looper, Torch, Hidden Hills, and more. Check them out on Instagram or Google Old School Vapor to find your nearest location. That's Old School Vapor. Two white men and a white woman attacking a black man who's a Democrat, yet you have no balance to anything that you say. You act like a bunch of Southern You are ridiculous. You're a horrible show. You're a horrible representation of Tennessee. Y'all are disgusting. You're disgusting human beings. And either balance it out with someone who has a half a clue what they can talk about. You got a bus driver up there acting like he's better than him just because... Of what? I have no idea what his points are other than what Tucker Carlson told him what to say. Y'all are disgusting human beings. You need to get off the air. Three Dudes with a View, triggering liberals between Dollywood and Graceland Monday through Thursday from 8 to 9 a.m. right here on WKOM 101.7 FM. First responders know seconds count when saving lives, and emergency response can often be delayed due to difficulty navigating rural locations, congested subdivisions, mobile home parks, and apartment complexes. The Locator 911 is a unique life-saving bulb. In normal use, a porch light, and when activated by you, a multicolored flashing beacon for first responders to help them find you in the event of an emergency. For more information, stop by your local fire department or visit thelocator911.com. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of the Tony Basilio Show, Hour 2, coming at you on these stations. Tony should be back tomorrow, hopefully, as he's taking a well-deserved day off. We've got a full bank of calls. We've got W. Lynn, Ryan, and Lloyd. We're going to get all three of you in before we take our next time out at the bottom of the hour. I've got John Adams presented by Seniors Helping Seniors and Matt Dixon, our normally normal Thursday stalwarts here. And let's take our let's go to our first call of the second hour of the show. Let's get W. Lynn, who's been on hold. W. Lynn, welcome to the show. Today, how are you, W. Lynn? Doing great. I couldn't disagree with you more, John, on the on the shooting the shot. When the defense quits playing, it's less than thirty seconds. You dribble it out. It's just like in football. If you're up by twenty points and there's 
three minutes left, you take a knee three times. Well, 99% of the teams do that, and you cannot compare baseball because that's an untimed game. And we have our subs in if we're up 20 to nothing, and that's different, baseball. But, though, why would the defense quit playing? It's less than 30 seconds. 99% of the time, the defense just stands there, and the honorable and gentlemanly thing to do is just dribble the ball out. Less well, I just seconds. look at it differently, Gabriel. I think when you're on the court and you're in the field of play, you keep playing offense or defense. Well, but then why do, why do football teams take knees when they're up big 99% of the time and just run well, the clock out? I know, but I, I just don't. See well, that, that's when there's the, they've got the ball back, and the other team has no timeouts, and the, the other team's behind. And exactly. the, only, the only way you could lose the game is by turning it over. So that that's that's why you do it there. That's why you take knees more than anything else is to to save your win and to save yourself from having to. Well, you're not throwing it to the end zone. Yeah. No, you don't see anybody doing that. You know, usually uh, with less than three minutes left. But let's move on. Uh, I just think we lost the game because we didn't shoot well. We can analyze things all we want. We just we couldn't hit a shot. And uh, we need to move on to Auburn. Uh, I will say our three big men, Euros, uh, Kumwa, and uh, Adu, I think for this team to be successful, those three have to combine for 20 points and 15 rebounds every game somehow. Well, I don't think that's too much to ask. No, I don't either. And and and, and sometimes they just don't do it. I, I don't. You know, they missed they missed inside shots too. You know, four footers or less. But uh, I just think we need to get back focused for Auburn and move on. This is basketball. You're going to lose five or six games a year most times. And uh, I'm not worried about the seeds anymore. I I wouldn't mind being a number three seed, to be honest with you. Just kind of be under the radar. Well, you know, at some point you hope that even if Barnes doesn't, you, this thing about him not outperforming his seeds, that at some way, in some way, that the bracket would just break your way. But I think it kind of did the sister junior, and they just couldn't take advantage of that. That's that's still, you know, that that game is gonna. Haunt a lot of fans for years to come. Well, we had our we had our center hurt. I, I can't remember his name right now. That was the that's the reason we lost a sister team game. Yeah, uh, Kyle, was our Kyle Alexander. Kyle Kyle Alexander. Yes, you know that you put him in there and we win that game by ten probably. Oh, and that's yeah, just, and they they still needed a, a fluke shot to 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 win the game late. And it, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking at baseball the same way. I'd like to, I wouldn't mind going into the tournament a number six seed. As long as we're in the top eight and we can host home games to get to the College World Series, I, I want to be under the radar. And my goal is get to the World Series and win at least two games. That's, that's what I want this year. Yeah, just get back to Omaha. I'll start with that. I, I think that's what the that's what they're definitely after last year. They feel like they need to atone for that. And if you win two games, no matter when or how you win them, you're you're basically is it, you're in the final four. You you can finish in a two way yeah. tie for third, but uh, 
I want to at least do that. And you've already and, uh, gotten past, you know, four teams to get to the Omaha. You got to, you know, you got to get past four teams in basketball to get to the Final Four to get to the pinnacle of the sport. And you do the same thing when you're dealing with baseball. But uh, Matt, Matt just, what's your take? Get, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I was going to see Matt get Matt's take on this. Well, I, I think. What, what WN said right at the beginning was that the, the goal to be a top eight in the host, that's, I think that's kind of my baseline goal going into every season going forward with baseball is, you know, be in position to host a regional and, and hopefully a super regional every year. And more times than not, you'll, you'll find your, your season ending in Omaha in some fashion. So I, I, I like, I, I like that approach. I, with the pitching staff you've got, if you can figure out, a good hitting lineup, which I think we will. Um, I think your team can. You have a chance to to to, to win a national championship. So it's it's a very lofty goal, but I think you know you have you have some great players and and, and a great coaching staff. So I, I agree with everything WN said. Well, well, I don't think you if you can make the College World Series in baseball, it's pretty much mission accomplished. I mean, you want to win a national championship, and if you get to the World Series enough. You'll win one. Uh, baseball is such an unpredictable sport. It's so pitching oriented. Your pitcher has a bad day. The other pitcher has a great day. Uh, it, it's very tricky. And there's a reason nobody, no number one seed overall has won the College World Series since I think it was 1999. Uh, and certainly Ole Miss was a great example last season when it was uh, mediocre for much of the year. Probably. Uh, really questionable whether it could make the uh, NCAA tournament. It not only makes it, it wins it. So well, that's what you're dealing with. They were a three seed in their region, which they had to go on the road. Most teams they that fair, get a three by their number. Got into the tournament. There yeah. were a lot of people who said they shouldn't have gotten in. That's mid-major, that's oh, mid-major yeah, I teams. I think they were one of the last ones in. Yeah. But uh, – Let's just get over there Saturday, you know, 2 o'clock game, pack that place, make some noise. Uh, I'm almost considering Auburn a must win. I know you shouldn't do that in basketball. But for us, and our, I just think we really need to win this game Saturday. Yeah, and I think they will. I think they'll be fine. I, I think Auburn defends differently. I think the caller Lee made a point last night that they don't defend what they do defending-wise isn't going to give Tennessee as much problems as Flor- what Florida did. And especially down there, and especially with Auburn being here, y'all are doing a great job holding down the fort. And I wish uh, Tony the best, and hope he, he gets well and can be back by tomorrow. Y'all take care, guys. So do we. Thank you, WLN, for the call. Let's take take our second call here after uh, post post WLN. Let's go to let's go to Ryan. Uh, hey guys, want to echo what uh, WLN said and wish Tony. Um, speedy recovery. Um, agree with him that we shot bad, and that's a big reason why we lost. I want to disagree with his assessment that a three seed would be okay because I think a one or a two seed, if Tennessee can make that, they will make it to the Sweet 16 because we tend to struggle with length and athleticism. And those lower-seeded teams aren't likely to have those athletes. Whereas, you know, the higher you get starting out, the higher the percentage of seeing those athletes is. You know, I think it's very important. I also think that some teams can get low seeds 
by not having the type of year. Michigan is a perfect example. Yeah, they they can have a they can be seated not as good as their talent suggests, and they might have had an underachieving. They might have started out. Teams can start out in the top ten and then end up barely getting in, but yet they're dangerous for somebody. And even if you get them as a high seed, they could be dangerous for you no matter what. So yeah, it was well, funny about that Michigan game because that reflects just what you're talking about. You you had a team with some size and and some talent that had underachieved. You know, there's so much that goes into seeding, and some of these teams have overachieved to get the seeding they've earned, and others have underachieved to get that. And, and I, it seems as though I remember in the in the first round when Michigan was playing, I think it was Colorado State. Early on in that game, it looked like Colorado State would win that game going away, and Michigan came back and pulled it out and then, of course, upset Tennessee in the next round. Let me uh, ask you guys, I'll posit this question to you, um, because I was really struck by listening to, I think it was yesterday or the day before show, that someone said the Ken Palm rankings, the top ten are the worst or one of the worst in the modern era of Ken Palm. Do you guys think that the lack of skill and great teams, that this statistic that we're the best defensive team ever, is just really inflated? Kind of like saying General Nealon's team that held an entire SEC schedule scoreless is the greatest SEC defense of all time. Well, no one really believes that, right? Not against modern teams. What are y'all's thoughts on that? Yeah, that's... That's somewhat of a valid point, but I think overall in college basketball, uh, offense has declined. Um, the three-point shot to me has something to do with that. That was implemented to enhance offense, I think, but it hasn't done that. Uh, the, the lack of a mid-range game, the mid-range game is how many players have an effective mid-range game? Uh, you know, no, that, James that Nkama, style. you know, James kind of does and Nakama. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I think the callers got a, a really good point. I just think Tennessee's got a, a great defense in a very bad offensive sport right now. Do you? Uh, it doesn't break yeah. the numbers. I, I, I just think the sport's so watered down between so many of the the superstars or potential superstars go pro early, and then the the portal makes those that first month or two of, of the season almost unwatchable because no team no team has any chemistry so I, I i mean i think the sport is is just in a really bad spot right now care to uh, guess how far tennessee dropped in Kim palm after last night uh sixth they dropped matt what what do you think uh well i would guess they fell below houston and i'd say Purdue and Alabama might be on. I haven't even looked at it today. I yeah, I, I, I'd say just a couple of spots. They're only down to second. They dropped all the way from one to two. Houston jumped well, back into one. Let, Purdue's let's, three. Let's Tennessee offensively on there. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, oh, this is thirty-five. There's something plus twenty-eight. Uh, I have to. It's 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 almost other than the ranking. It's kind of all that other stuff is kind of Greek to me. But Alabama's still fifth. Florida jumped from where they were, I think, 16 spots. They're up to 38 in Ken Palm after last night. That doesn't that doesn't make sense. It seems like once you get high, it's very weighted to where it's hard to fall but easy to rise based on what you just stated. 
but whatever. Yeah, you have to have done something that really impressed them enough to where they had you so high that even one loss doesn't doesn't really affect that much. Well, I, I think last night, you know, look, middle of the week games, especially that nine o'clock, that Tuesday, Wednesday, nine o'clock game, you need to watch. That's hard for kids to get up for, it seems. But uh, I, I think if Tennessee's a one or a two, they'll make it to Sweet 16. But, you know, even in our wins, um, like, for example, when we played Maryland and really looked pretty bad, we won that game. But Maryland, who is pretty average, does have big, strong athletic players. That's where I'm concerned with this team is that the big, strong athletes in length uh, neutralize our bigs and then bother our limited, you know, we got a small guard and a Vescovi who's not the greatest athlete. In the that, world, but. that Maryland game is a perfect example of what they'll have to do in the second round, potential second round game. Yeah. They'll, they'll have to face a team yeah. just like that, that and probably a yeah. game where the score yeah, might sixty five sixty five points might be the, what it takes to win. That may be all yep. you can get. Well, uh, guys, great show, and uh, hope you have a rest a uh, good rest of your afternoon. Thank you, Ryan, for the call. Eight six five five eight no eight six five. What am I? What's what am I doing here? Eight six five two hundred five four zero two is the number to call in on on the uh, Tony Basilio Show's Thursday edition. Let's go to our next caller here, and I believe this is Lloyd. Yeah, hey guys. Hey Lloyd, how you doing? I'm you jumped lines on me. I thought that Coach Barnes made some tactical errors last night. Um, here, here's what I would have done. I would have gone, like, super big. Um, you know, Tennessee wouldn't get anything, any clean looks from, from the perimeter. I would have gone with Euros and Kamala a lot and tried to pack it in the lane and see if I could get Castleton in foul trouble. And also, I would have gone Awaka and, um, and uh, Kamala together because both of them – you know, they have an inside game. But when it became evident that, you know, there was not going to be these um, easy, you know, pick-and-pop open three balls, um, I don't know if I would have put Josiah at two and gone super big, um, you know, and try to get in the middle of the lane and dish down low or something. Matt, what do you think? Well, they did. It looked like they did try to go big in the in the second half a lot, and it really didn't work a whole lot. Florida did a good job of, with their spacing and just kind of spreading the floor out, and that created just a bunch of just those one on one matchups with Castleton, and we our help defense just couldn't get there in time. But offensively, we had to go inside, and I, I agree with you there. We need we needed to try to to work stuff inside to players other than euros to try to get some buckets because we just weren't making anything from outside so i i i agree we needed to to do something offensively um different um it just i you know we just it was just a bad it was just a bad night i don't don't think we were particularly coached very well in game and and then obviously we just didn't play well either um I, i guess florida has a lot of give them a lot of credit for that but no you're you're right we needed to 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 do something different in the second half. Keep in, keep in mind with Florida, it was kind of in desperation mode. I don't know how it's uh, how Golden addressed that in pregame, but with nine losses already and some tough games ahead, it has any hopes of a much of a postseason. It really needed to win that game, and 
And maybe it played with that sense of urgency. That sometimes well, can make a difference. I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, they you're going to get that, especially Florida there on the outside looking in to the tournament projections where Tennessee is at, the, at worst a two or three seed and especially playing at home. And they get, you know, Florida fans get can get up for playing at Tennessee because especially in basketball now, they, they didn't win the football game. So, and they hadn't won many basketball games against them either. And I can see where it was just one of those things where you could fall into a trap. When Tennessee went up six and um, that possession, Clavy um, went for a head fake and jumped over this, you know, five foot ten guard and sent him to the foul line. Uh, I think if Tennessee defends that and gets the ball back and goes up eight, I think when it going away, that's, it's just disappointing, though, that um, you, you don't see any kind of offensive cohesion after that 6-0 run or, or, or to go up six. And I, it's probably been belabored, but giving up two, quote, kill shots, a 15-0 and run and then a 12-0 and run, you don't win a game like that. Well, usually you don't. You gave up you know, a 15-0 run in the first half, and then you gave up a 13-0 run there to go from six up to down you know, all of a sudden you're down six again and you're down you're down double digits it just i don't know that florida's ever made up that much ground so fast the way they did last night i mean they're not a team that scores much so you kind of have to help them out um they really moved the ball well i mean there, there was a lot of you know motion and their guys got open and they missed a lot of threes uh, but they knocked down some crucial ones, and then obviously, I had a feeling Lurch was going to kill us, and he did. You know. Well, just getting back to the mindset of Florida, and really, I think that's the kind of mindset you see in an NCAA tournament. I mean, Florida was, as we said, Florida went into that game thinking we got to win this game, or we're losing our postseason, and it played that way, and it responded very well. And when you get in the NCAA tournament and everybody knows when you lose, you're done, and it creates a sense of urgency that really doesn't exist for most of the regular season normally. So Florida's case last time was an exception, but I just think when you get in the NCAA tournament, and that's why so many so many upsets happen, I think. play Teams play with a, with a desperate sense of urgency, and you just got to win, and every possession matters. And that's kind of what makes the NCAA tournament so enthralling, really. It worries me a little bit that Tennessee does not have a win over a, I guess, a conference team with the Pulse, for lack of better, a better word. Um, you know, Mississippi State, Georgia. <coughs> you know, I'd, two best teams. I'd uh, keep my eye on that Mississippi State team. I think they've got a chance to, to win some games and make it respectable late in the season. I don't know if they can get back in the NCAA, but... They, they've shown some signs of life lately. Well, guys, but, you know, with me, when it comes to this basketball program, I love where we are. I don't um, advocate any changes, and I am all in about the regular season because I, I don't hold any kind of hope for March. And that's what made last night disappointing to me is you're pretty much not going to win the league now, and that was one of my goals for this team was winning the outright, you know, regular season SEC championship. Well, but. Th- they got to get Bama in two weeks. They got to win that game if they have any chance to do that. 
which they still have a shot with them on their home floor. Yeah, but Alabama they have to lose a couple, and they just don't seem to lose in league. I mean, it's it's uncanny the way that when they have a squad under the boat guy, they uh, well they go sixteen and two a few years ago. Yeah, they, they're they're capable of having an Oklahoma type performance again. A couple more of those. So it just seems like that guy's really yeah. concentrated on on league games. Hope Tony gets better. Thanks, thanks y'all. Thank you for the call, Lloyd. We appreciate it. Our number to call in on is eight six five two hundred. Five four zero two is the number, and an unrelated note. An unrelated note: the on three is saying that North Carolina has announced a contract extension for head coach Mac Brown through the twenty twenty seven season. So Mac Brown, who I think he's above seventy now, is going to hang around for another four years. I guess that's the that's that's what they do for recruits to let them know that hey, this coach is going to be here for a while. Yeah, he may not last that long. He may choose to leave sooner, but yeah, it's a it's a smart move. I mean, I think that's pretty. He's about as good as North Carolina can do right now. And I, I saw on three yesterday said that uh, former Tennessee player with in parentheses, the uh, D'Angelo Gibbs was transferring to South Carolina. So, kudos to him for for still being eligible and in school. I don't think he's been on Tennessee's roster for three years. You know, uh, on the Stetson Bennett College part. I didn't know he was in. I didn't know he was still in the country. He's he's got to be older than Stetson Bennett. <laughs> no, I, I know he had some off the field struggles here. I don't, I really don't think he ever played it down. But good on him for at least giving it another shot. Hopefully, it works out for him there. So, do you think he's in this? I, we don't know where he's been recently. Did that? Was that in the in the story, I, Matt? To, I didn't even I didn't even read the story. I just saw the tweet and so you was so you, flabbergasted in the middle of the basketball game. I was like, "Is that real?" I thought it was a I thought it was a Richard G. West tweet for a second. Yeah, well, so you really didn't care that much about where D'Angelo Gibbs had been. I hadn't thought of him in years, no. And I, I was I don't know how he's still eligible. Like, how many COVID years did he get? <laughs> well. You, when you said that off air, D'Angelo Gibbs, it was like the name. The name sounded familiar, but I had no idea who he was. And then when we talked about it. I remember he was a highly rated player coming out of high school, and he could play wide receiver. Or uh, the only question seemed to be about him: would he make it as a wide receiver or as a DB? And uh, turned out neither one, but. I can't imagine uh, South Carolina hanging its hopes for success next season on what D'Angelo Gibbs does. Well, I, I think maybe they just get him for depth, perhaps. Well, <laughs> he he didn't provide that in the past. Yeah, I I don't I don't remember him ever seeing him on. I don't even know what number he wore. Maybe he played on special teams, but that would be it. Did he even have a number? And he, the numberless player. Could be, a, could be a JJ Peter. Where did JJ Peterson ever end up? I I don't he know. Was That's... Playing for, what was that Bishop Sycamore, the the fake high school team? That's probably where he's at. Speaking of where are they now? Uh, how about JT Shroud? He is. Uh, he's made another oh, move. Poor guy. Poor guy. He has no clue what he's getting into, does he? The, he infallible offense, I guess. He gets the run. Did Butch recruit him here? Quarterback, Arkansas State, with Butch Jones. Uh, 
when I watched JT Stroud and he didn't play that much, but I really thought he had some ability. Uh, he was pretty mobile. He has a good arm, but just never in the right place at the right time, I guess. Maybe Arkansas State will be the right place in the right time. But then you think, uh-oh, Butch Jones is a coach, and that's not the right place in the right time. Well, he, he actually made a <laughs> play in the in one game where he threw a back across to, I guess it was Marquez Callaway against South Carolina. They went for a score that I kind of thought that's, that's a throw that not many – Quarterbacks can make even hooker. No, he, time. he's got a he's got a great arm. I think he was undefeated as a Tennessee starting quarterback. So, well, well, remember, I think it was the Florida game. The game was kind of it was decided, but he came in late and played really well. Do you remember that? Yeah, and I also remember when he came against in against Kentucky that year as well, where he, you know, uh, that was not a memorable moment from him. Well, so you never knew what talk- you were going to get. Since we've uh, brought up a Butch Jones uh, connection, why do you think Arkansas State, which has had some success at its level in the past, didn't fire Butch Jones after another awful season? Do you think it's just because the program is impoverished and it couldn't afford to, to firing? Um, seven years to rebuild, John. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if his yeah, if his system is still infallible. I don't know. I, I think maybe he's got one more year there. I like how he he talks about this offensive system, but he never actually called plays for it. Like it's <laughs> not even really his offense. It's basically Rich Rodriguez's offense, and he was the wide receiver coach of a run heavy offense. <laughs> he collected wide receivers like, and then ended up you know but mostly doing read option. Where either the quarterback keeps it or hands it off to, to herd, but he had sixty thousand wide receivers and no offensive line to block for a running game that was used more than anything else. That was good strategy. Since we're since we're talking former failed Tennessee coach, what do you think the next destination is for Jeremy Pruitt? I mean, there's talk about jo- rejoining Alabama. There was talk about that. Rather, do you got what do you foresee for him? I think he. I think he joins them as an as one of those off the field analyst type roles. I think. I think if Saban would hire him as his court, defensive coordinator, if if he could, but I just think he'll have too many recruiting restrictions that he'll be an off the field coach down there. But I really think he ends up. He is that he'll he'll be down there at Alabama. Well, I think if anybody watched video of Tennessee's defenses at least in select games of his team. I don't know that it would hire Jeremy Pruitt as a defense coordinator. His previous success in that position aside, I just I never saw any great defensive strategists when he was running Tennessee's program. Well the BYU oh, no, the game at the end of the BYU game stands out the most. Well those games back to back to open with well, Georgia State. The- the Georgia State game that they didn't game plan for or prepare right. for at all, a season opener. That that's kind of a red flag. Well, that was the game where they couldn't line up correctly on the <laughs> defensive front. I really they have like three guys up there. I know, and there was just like all the this, way apart. I know there was this gaping hole there. So Georgia State, the play caller for Georgia State, say 
he's he's probably he might have a there would have been a tendency to overthink it and say, oh well, they're trying to pull something here. They're trying to entice us into running into that huge open gap. Well, let's just try it anyway. Sure enough, <laughs> it, they weren't being enticed. It worked and it worked again and again. Boy, that was uh, those, uh, those games back to back. If anybody watches Tennessee's defenses in the collapse against BYU and just the general overall ineptitude on defense against Georgia State, and I guess that was the 19 season, uh, I don't think Jeremy Poit's getting any defensive coordinator jobs. On that note, let's take our final timeout of the show. We'll come back for the fourth quarter, and we'll take your calls up to 1 o'clock, 865-200-5402. This is the show with a caller. Brian Hartman. John Adams presented by Seniors Helping Seniors and Matt near home till 1 o'clock. We'll come back. Stay tuned. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. So you had an accident. Now what? Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Rams Body Shop. You can count on us to repair all makes and models. Our certified techs will take care of everything from frame damage inspection to bump out or replacement with OEM parts. We've got the expertise to make your vehicle better than new and get you back on the road in no time. Plus, our collision work is guaranteed for the life of your car. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Rams Body Shop to the rescue. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you can count on us. Hello, this is Rick Tillis with Tillis Jewelry in Columbia and Lewisburg, Tennessee. What are you looking for in a jeweler? Knowledgeable staff? Experienced goldsmiths? Or true custom designers? Experienced working with clients creating that perfect gift for a special loved one? Well, you have found them. Tillis Jewelry. We're this and so much more. Check us out at TillisJewelry.com or on Facebook and Instagram to see our latest creations. Tillis Jewelry, Columbia and Lewisburg, Tennessee. Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. This is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Did you know that Ace now offers free assembly and delivery on grills over $399? It's never been easier for you and your family to have a great grill like a Weber gas grill, a Traeger pellet grill, or a Big Green Egg charcoal grill. Come see us at Columbia Ace Hardware, located at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard, Columbia, Tennessee. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. 
Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. NASCAR's back. The NASCAR Cup Series. Green flag is in the air at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Heads back to the City of Angels. And they're beating and banging and Justin Haley hammers the inside wall. For another trip around the LA Coliseum. Off four, checkered flag is out and Joey Logano has done it. It's the Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum. Sunday, February 5th at 3.30 p.m. on WKOM 101.7 FM. Join us Saturday, March the 18th for Columbia's Breakfast Rotary's fourth annual Shoot for Our Stars Sporting Clays Tournament. This tournament is a community benefit fundraiser for our fantastic local youth and veterans organizations. If you'd like to participate in this great event, contact me, Rhonda King, at 931-398-5511 or contact us online at www.facebook.com slash shootforourstars. Hello everyone, Clayton Harris here. As Little League District 8 Administrator, I'm excited to announce that Little League Softball is being offered in Murray County for the first time through Spring Hill Little League. This allows every kid in Murray County the opportunity to play Little League Softball. Each division will offer All-Stars, just like Little League Baseball, with the opportunity to compete for a chance at a Little League World Series. It's ages 4 through 13. Registration ends this Friday. For more information and where to sign up, go to shll.us. I'll never forget the day I decided to go out for the football team. Mr. Banks, the JV football coach and my history teacher, asked me to stay after class. I thought I was in trouble. He said, hey, Darius, have you thought about going out for football? I think you'd be great. Fact is, I never played football. Fact is, I never had anyone tell me I'd be great at something. So, with no experience at all, I signed up. And a week later, I padded up and was running drills on the field. I never was great, but playing high school sports was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I was accepted by my teammates, and I learned that when someone believes in you, you can believe in yourself. Encourage a student you know to take part in a high school sport. This message presented by the TSSAA and the Tennessee Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. 
You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. Matt uh, and John Adams back there having a interesting discussion during the timeout, and this is Brian Harvin filling in for Tony Basilio, Matt uh, Dixon, and John Adams presented by Seniors Helping Seniors. We were, we're talking, we've kind of shifted to football a little bit here, and Alabama has some interesting news coming out. They seem to can't find a offensive coordinator, so they're turning now to Notre Dame offensive coordinator Tommy Reese has emerged as a top target for the same position at Alabama per Chris Lowe. So, guys, you know, Saban's got to get a coordinator from somewhere. And it's interesting how all of a sudden you'd think that they'd want to, there'd be a line of guys wanting to work for him, and it doesn't appear that's the case anymore. Well, the, the quarterback situation isn't nailed down with their future NFL starter, so that could be a turnoff for coordinators. But I thought Matt had a great idea. I love this idea. He says promote Derek Dooley, former UT head coach, uh, promote him to offensive coordinator, and then bring Jeremy Pruitt back as defensive coordinator. And if I would you, like you win a national title with that crew. You that that that'll prove you're better than Bear Bryant. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, yeah I but I I think if you do that you got to complete the trifecta and find a place for Butch Jones on staff. I don't know what you want him doing, but you bring him back too, and it's kind of old Tennessee meets new Alabama. Did they uh get Todd Grantham as hey, defensive Casey coordinator? Casey is the recruiting coordinator. <laughs> oh, did, did they not go to Todd Grantham for defensive coordinator? I. I didn't know they'd actually hired him yet. They were Surely, talking to him. Yeah, which which I think's kind of a kind of glaring that well, <laughs> I, mean, I don't think that guy's any good at all. Well, I mean, if I'm thinking about hiring him, I believe I would make a call to Dan Mullen and ask, "Hey, hey Dan, what do you think about having Todd Grantham as your defense coordinator?" And my guess is Dan Mullen's answer would be, "Oh, I think he'd be great if you want to get fired." <laughs> I don't I don't understand that. Uh, does uh does Justin Wilcox still have a head coaching job at Cal? Yeah, I think so. I really liked him as defense yeah, he coordinator. Was, he was really good. Yeah, and I, I say really good at masking weaknesses and Tennessee had tremendous weaknesses. Yeah, you had a linebacker that was a walk on and you made a star out of him. Well you just had a bunch of bunch of just three-star guys, the, the sack of potatoes is duly called them out there. Yeah, I, I just don't think he, he liked all the, the cutthroat recruiting that the SEC was, which it's even worse now. <laughs> well, that didn't bother uh, Hugh Freeze coming back to Auburn. No, no you can hear the Jimmy drums all over Alabama now. <laughs> he's going, he's getting every, flip the whole roster. Uh, cutthroat recruiting, that would be his game. Um. Yeah, this is really when you look at Alabama, and when we look at Alabama football, 
under Nick Saban. It always, we look at it, doesn't matter who leaves. Doesn't matter if coordinator leaves, offense or defense. Doesn't matter, position coaches leave. They come and go under Nick Saban. After all, it is Nick Saban's defense. So he's going to run the defense. And Alabama's always an attractive enough job where he can get a top-flight offensive coordinator. And you always think there's going to be, you go back at least 10 years, Alabama, if it doesn't have a star running back, it's got a star quarterback and a star wide receiver. And sometimes it has all three. But when you look at Alabama now, going into the 23 season, I know it had the number one recruiting class. When you look ahead to 23, you don't see that kind of star power. And now you can't find a coordinator. Oh, my gosh. Todd Grantham can't go that route, can you? <laughs> I, I wouldn't think so. I, I mean, Saban would be better off just calling it himself. At that sure. Point. Definitely. I mean, good Lord. He As an offense coordinator, don't you think he can find a a recently unemployed NFL coach? Because you know how it goes um, at the end yeah. of the season. And there's plenty of guys out there. Uh, that will need a job, and um, so you can. Yeah, get, like we make fun of him, and he'll he'll hire Cliff Kingsbury this afternoon or somebody. Well, maybe he can go get Steve Wilkes from the Carolina Panthers to be his defensive coordinator. What do you think? Boy, <laughs> the SEC that would be a national day of celebration in the SEC if uh, if Wilkes was hired as Alabama's defensive you know, coordinator. Many people thought he should have been hired, retained as their head coach. Before they brought, uh, before they brought, that's amazing. That's Frank Reich in there. Me. That that he went. From, the, I think one of the worst coordinator performances in recent SEC history. That was worse than Pruitt's against Georgia State. That was worse that than South and Sarah. Four games into the season, at least you can blame Pruitt's on his the first game deal. I mean, that well, was four games into the year, and they literally looked like they were playing with seven guys out there. Well, when you think about it, too, and we're talking about the 21 season, going into the 21 season with Missouri, the strength of the team was considered to be its defensive front. It had depth there and some proven players, experience. It still, Steve Wilkes went in there and waved a magic wand and made it one of the worst defenses in the country. Then he's in back in the NFL, and there are people saying he should be a head coach in the NFL. <laughs> I wouldn't hire him as a quality coach. control coach. Well, here's the funny thing is, they actually sort of turned their season around under him when they got rid of Rural, and they nearly made the playoffs in, in a bad division, but they still had to beat – they beat a pretty good Detroit team that was hot, and then they just had to beat Tampa and Tom Brady to win that division, and they couldn't do it the second time. So so that tells us that he's not capable of coordinating a college defense, but when it comes to the NFL, he can turn your team around as a head coach, I guess. Yeah, he did it. He somehow did it this year. And the Carolina Panthers, I mean, that division, let's be real, that, that, that was an awful division. Yeah. He's another Ed, or- Ed Orgeron. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, a magic man. Great, yeah, inter- can, great interim coach. Well, you talk about that division, you can say, how bad was it? Bad enough that Steve Wilkes could be successful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's funny. Missouri seemed to defensively. You couldn't tell in Neyland, but 
you could tell they were a lot better. I mean, Georgia may not have cared, but they held them to, what, 26 this year? Well, what, yeah. No, they, they were much better defensively. And really with what should have been less talent and depth than what it had in 21 when Wilkes was coordinating the defense. Let's go to our – let's get Roger in the mix here. Roger has been waiting. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Well, sure, Brian. Hey, Brian. How you doing today, Brian? How you doing, Roger? I'm fine. John, Matt, how you both doing today? today? Well, uh, I'm doing well. I can't speak for Matt, but he sounds okay. I'm doing good, Roger. Sorry we got wordy on you there. Oh, no, you're you're fine. I enjoy y'all. I've been been doing all the last couple hours. That's why it's been been nice to hear y'all in here. So, yeah. Yeah, I do a good job too on here too, uh, Brian. Doing a good job on here Thank you, Roger. too, Brian. Sure. Um, um, wanted to ask you, um, first, John, is, um, John, I want to ask you about the game last night. Um, I, I watched a little bit of it. I just want to ask you, um, what happened to Tennessee? Uh, Tennessee was tired. I mean, I know, I know Florida played so good too, but, um, you think we just want Tennessee lost because, uh, you, you mentioned that their, their leg was retired. Um, um, you think Tennessee retired? That's why. Uh, Tennessee retired? Maybe that's why they're off. Also, maybe they're tired. Uh, well, playing, we've heard uh, a lot of explanations maybe. for why Tennessee lost. Uh, tired legs, missing shots, uh, didn't make it a greater effort to go inside. Maybe get uh, Cullen Castleton in foul trouble. Florida star player. So we got uh, We in hindsight, we got a lot of um, a lot of answers. I really thought a, a big part of it, we talked about this too, is Florida was yeah. desperation mode. If it hopes to play in the postseason in a real tournament, uh, yeah. apologies to the NIT, it's got to go on a winning streak and beat good teams. And it was able to do that last night. So I thought Florida's back was to the wall and it yeah. responded just the way a coach would like to see. So I, I gave maybe Florida more credit than I gave Tennessee blame for that outcome. Yeah, um, do, do you think that John? Do you think is that way? Is that way? Is that way? You missed the other. Oh, Matt did one of them. Yeah, that's about about defense. They, they put some boots on defense. They get tired. Is that way to John? Is that way for? Is that way for? Is that way for Bonds to, to change that and make it? That's that's must be uh, tired so easy so fast. Is that way for him to change that somehow? So, so, so it will be a, so, so they won't be as tired and enjoy taking away. You know what I'm saying? They would change it a little bit so they can be as tired, you know what I'm saying, as tired, maybe, somehow? Well, well, I mean, you can uh, – it, it didn't look tired last against Texas, and I don't expect it to look tired against Auburn on Saturday in Thompson Bowling. Uh, uh, but I think if, when you go in – it's not – I think when you go into the NCAA tournament, and I've heard coaches address this <clears> – excuse me. Fine. <laughs> I'm about to go on a coughing binge. I apologize. You're fine. You're fine, John. You're fine. You know, Roger, I, I think Florida yeah. just played played really well. And Tennessee just, they got, I mean, they got down by 13 early. So they, it was, you know, tough to come back. And then they just used all their energy to, to, to come back and actually get the lead. And then it's still a really disappointing result. You would expect even... Even yeah. if you have an off night shooting and, and Florida plays well, you still should have. You would like to think a team as good as Tennessee's would have been able to find a way to grind out a win, but 
Um, un- unfortunately, they didn't, and now they've got, you know, now, like John just said, now Tennessee's backs are kind of up against the wall in a, in a way um, this Saturday against yeah. Auburn. So that kind of makes that a, a very intriguing game. Right. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. right. And um, that's why I asked you, uh, uh, asked you uh, uh, Brian, uh, when, does your, when, when does the Super Bowl, Brian? It's not this weekend, but it's the Sunday after this weekend. It's it, the February the twelfth is the Super Bowl date at six thirty okay. p.m. on uh, Fox, I believe. Okay, I got you. All right, uh, and uh, John, I just want to ask you too, John, about the game, uh, like the Auburn game. How you think Tennessee? Think Tennessee uh, kind of Auburn is pretty good this year that they beat they won last last night. Um, how you think Tennessee should win? Should win? Think Tennessee should win? I'm sorry. you think? Yeah, I would expect Tennessee to win playing at home. Uh, this yeah. is not one of uh, Bruce Pearl's uh, best teams at Auburn. He's had some great teams there. Uh, this is not one of the best teams. He usually plays well. His teams usually play well against Tennessee. But playing at Thompson Bowling and with Tennessee coming off a bad loss, uh, I would expect Tennessee to win maybe in double figures. Oh, gosh. You Tennessee can bounce back and win, bounce back and win on Saturday? I definitely think you you, you should. Um, Auburn just really struggles offensively, and they, they're just not a very good shooting team. Um, so you, you would think you should, you should be able to hold them, you know, no more than the low sixties. And I, I would like to think Tennessee could find a way to score on them. Um, but they're, they're pretty good defensively. They've got a, a really good big man, um, who's playing really well here recently, but you know, you're playing at home. I, it should be kind of a juiced up crowd with Pearl coming back. Um, and, as, yeah. as long as as long as Stephen F. and Pearl doesn't have a great scout on Tennessee, I think Tennessee will probably come out on top. Right. All right. Um, and uh, John, I just want to ask you about this about Sunday. About, about, I know yesterday was Sunday. Um, I just want to ask you real quick about that. Um, did you, you like the John? You, you like the Sunday? You like the you like the early Sunday? You like, you like the furry Sunday? You like, like the early Sunday? Uh, which one you like better? You, you like both of them? Or you like, like one more letter, or you like the early Sunday? Or, or you like, what's more like, like better, John? Better. I, I mean, I, the second signing day has almost become ho hum, so pretty much of a yawner. Not that much happens on the second signing day. I much prefer the uh, first signing day, uh, and I also really like the transfer portal because that can be yeah. that's more than one day. That's a lot of days. I mean that that's. That's where the news, most of the news comes from. When you're with the signing class, you're kind of thinking about the, a few years down the road, how good your team might be. With the transfer portal, it's immediate. You think, oh, help is on the way next season. So, but as far as the signing days, I'm, yeah. I much prefer the first one. Or oh, maybe you right. prefer right. just one, right? It's yeah. a, it's a shame they killed that thing. I mean, that thing literally—they killed it. There's, there no, is no national signing day anymore. You used to have it. You know, now it's like yeah. in the middle of in the middle of bowl well, season. You know, uh, really, really disappointing. It looked like it was something that yeah. would be impossible to kill at one point. 
with the way it sort of had momentum and how people used to come and get, literally people used the to. The NCAA said, "Hold my beer." Yeah, I mean they used to travel to come up and and uh, yeah. to gather everyone to watch the the kids sign on that day, just a few short years yeah. ago. Uh, well, don't, uh, you, uh, don't you think well, Brian, uh, 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 you uh, 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 have a good day, Ohio. Have a good day. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for the call, Roger. And thanks for the listening. We got maybe, yeah, we've got uh, six more minutes to go until the top of the hour here on the Tony Basilio Show. We have enjoyed filling in. John Adams is presented by Seniors Helping Seniors. And, John, say a few words about Seniors Helping Seniors so everybody knows what we're talking about. Well, it's, um, you know, Ray Bales, Ray Bales has, heads this thing up, and basically what it is, he employs seniors uh, to go out and help other seniors. And it's not as though you have to have a medical background to do this. You, there are a lot of people who, uh, seniors who live alone and they don't have enough help. Uh, there, it's, it's not so bad that they need to go in an assisted living center. They can still live at home. And this helps prolong that living at home because you can have somebody come in. They can run errands for you. They can give you a ride to a doctor's office, things of that nature. It's it's really worked well. I've recommended it to people, and so some of those recommendations have, and they followed through on that. And and it's a it's a great it's a great organization. And Ray does a great job of administering it. It's from the heart with him. It's not just a. It's not just a business, and I think it's very rewarding, not just for the people that need the help, but also for the people who it gives them something to do, and it gives them something to fulfilling. Uh, sometimes when you're retired, you're not working, you need that. You don't have that, and you miss it, and this is an opportunity to help two groups of people, and I think it's a great idea, and, and I'm really proud to be affiliated with it, Brian. Yeah, that sounds very special, and I think everyone should consider something like that, especially if you've got some time and can uh, give a few hours a week and, and maybe a couple hours a day to, to, to a worthy cause. Yeah, it's. I mean, there are just a lot of things they can do, and you don't have to have a, a great skill set uh, to do some of this stuff. Like I said, it's not as though you need a – some people, that they don't need necessarily medical attention at home. They just need somebody to help them with day-to-day life, and that's what Ray Bale's organization does, and it's it's really a great business. 865-200-5402, I give the number out, but we will be going off here in about three minutes, so it would have to be very, very quick as it's a Thursday afternoon, the Tony Basilio Show. Tony is going to go home. He is going to rest up and hopefully – be able to join tomorrow as Bino Henderson, also known as Bino Jeff, will join on. And as Tony would say, listen anyway, tune in anyway. Matt, your thoughts? <laughs> I, I, actually, I, I think I think Bino and Kyle Blackburn are going to jump on and do a little bit of overtime today too after the show. So good, good on them. Yeah, they'll thank, pick up where they left man. off for the Arizona Post game. Yeah, that year. Yeah, pretty cool. Good, good on Bino. Yeah, we we Bino, thanks for doing that. This, well, was, this was the day of the caller. I know Tony wants this whole year to be about the caller. We really emphasize today being about the caller. Great and we, caller pace, kind of like Josh Heupel's offense, just going in and out of callers. So and we had some good callers too, as well. 
Yeah, we have and, some. Yeah, and and uh, kudos, or as Philip Fulman would say, kudos to the callers because they they captured the up tempo tone, and nobody droned on forever. Everybody was made a point and moved on. So we got a lot of callers. Yeah, and and some some even made points and and was worthy of the time they got as well. A few of them. So one, <laughs> well, most one of them, area, all of them. One area in which we failed, we didn't come up with coordinators for Alabama. We've left that to Nick. Who would you like? Ideally, whom would you like to see Alabama hire in both coordinator roles, Matt? If you could pick the coordinators for Alabama, whom would you pick? Um, well, that that Grantham guy actually seems realistic. I'd be a nice one. I don't. I don't is Sal Sinceri still associated with that with Alabama in some way? Um, he's always been really. I've always thought really highly of him. I think he's got a full time coaching job somewhere. Maybe it is Alabama. I can't. Uh, I, I can't remember if he's one of their three hundred analysts or whatever.